Welcome to New Thought 2020 and Beyond. I'm Robert Brzezinski, your host, and I invite you to join my guests and I as we explore the social and political issues of our day from a higher consciousness. Together, we'll explore the events, discussions, and opportunities that are shaping our world and future. Together, we'll do the work of creating a world that works better for everyone. Join us, New Thought 2020 and beyond. Well, hello again, dear ones, Reverend Robert with you, and I'm really, really excited today because we've got a special guest, uh, someone that I've been looking forward to speaking with for quite a while. It's a gentleman who I've followed his work for a long, long time, and I'm really excited because Reverend Dr. Jim Lockhart is with us today, and you know how we are around here, uh, titles are uh, long and explanatory, so uh, anytime anybody's got a reverend and a doctor, I like to just shorten it to Dr. Jim. So uh, Dr. Jim's going to be with us today. Uh, he's actually living in Lyons, France, and uh, he's coming to us all the way from France, so I'm excited that that's working, and we've got a really, really rich conversation for you today. However, before we get to all that, let's remember we are looking at things from a higher consciousness. This is New Thought 2020 and beyond, looking and exploring the social and political issues from a higher consciousness. So let's find a moment and get ourselves centered, get focused into that higher consciousness. Now, if you're driving or operating heavy machinery or somewhere where it's not safe to close your eyes, please uh, keep your eyes on what you're doing. But uh, if you are comfortable and it feels safe, please join me in a moment of prayer. Let the eyelids close and just come to know the one. Take that sacred holy breath. Allow yourself to feel the flow, the rhythm of life. Feel the heartbeat, the rhythm of your breath. It's here in this moment that I recognize one God. One power, one presence, one infinite intelligence that's moving and breathing and having its being as all of life. One God, the source, the supply, the never-ending wellspring of everything. Love, light, beauty, truth and health and wealth and well-being and abundance, prosperity. That one self-existing cause that is forever taking on form and abandoning that form in order to take on new form. I know that oneness, that God, that power moves and breathes and has its being as my life. I know that one expresses itself through and as my life perfectly, whole, complete, nothing missing, nothing absent. And as I know that truth of my life, I know that same truth of the lives of each one, everyone, everywhere. I recognize that power moving through the hands and the, the, the heartbeat of Dr. Jim, of each one that listens in to this conversation. I know it's all happening because it's all God and it's all good right here, right now. So I'm just in a place of absolute gratitude for whatever reveals itself here this day. 
grateful for whatever reveals itself because I know that whatever it is, it's got to be good. It's got to be God. Mm. So I am just happy to know that it's all happening. I'm here to witness it. I'm here to get myself out of the way. I'm here to recognize the blessing and allow it all to unfold, to let God be God. And so it is. So it is. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining me in that moment of centering and consciousness. Uh, again, I'm really excited today because uh, Reverend Dr. Jim Lockhart is with us. He's an ordained minister, teacher, speaker, author, blogger, coach, consultant, and thought leader. Uh, it gets better. There's a lot more. He, he, this man is prolific in how he expresses and shares new thought. Uh, originally raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, as I said, he's currently living in Lyon, France with his wife, Dorian Connor Lockard. Uh, she's a PhD as well. And they're frequent presenters at international conferences in the spiritual business and academic fields. Now, Dr. Jim, as I said, he's done an awful lot. He's served as spiritual leader in various communities throughout the Centers for Spiritual Living in California, Florida, Maryland. He's written a couple of books on his own, Creating the Beloved Community. It's on my shelf back there. I've read it. It's a great book, Dr. Jim. Thank you. And Sacred Thinking, um, Awakening to Your Inner Power. Those are both available from Oneness Books. And we'll have links to all that stuff in the, in the show notes. And he's also provided chapters to a couple of collaborative books, one to a book called Spiritual Guidance Across Religions, a source book for spiritual directors and other professionals, and also another called Innovative Development, Emerging Worldviews and System Change. One of the things I love about Dr. Jim the most, however, is his blog, New Thought Evolutionary. If you know me, you've seen his work on my wall. I share so many of his blog posts. Um, They're incredibly well-written because they bring forward an expression, a a demonstration of new thought. They help to share the new thought principles in a way that uh, is intelligent and doesn't... uh, I really appreciate that you don't treat everybody as if they... They're just an empty vessel and don't know anything. Uh, Dr. Jim (laughs) believes that you already have some intelligence. So um, if you haven't read his blog, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Uh, He's uh, he's also very popular in New Thought Circles. Uh, He's a regular blogger also for the Association for Global New Thought. We've talked about, uh, we had Reverend... Uh, Dr. Uh, David Goldberg with us on the last episode. He shared a whole bunch about uh, AGT's new social uplift ministry. We're going to talk a little bit about that here today. He also served on the board of directors for the International Center for Spiritual Living from 2003 to 2012. He's been on the advisory board for the Association for Global New Thought since 2005 and is a certified presenter and coach. Now catch this list, folks, because anybody working in the personal leadership development, you're going to recognize at least one of these names, if not all of them. Uh, He's a certified presenter and coach for Spiral Dynamics Model, Theory U, the Q process, Edgewalkers, and the SQ21 Spiritual Intelligence Programs. Uh, I can tell you, All of these are incredibly in-depth ways of looking at human consciousness and how we show up on the planet. So when I said this man is prolific, I wasn't joking. He's got uh, so much going on. 
In fact, he'll be presenting a workshop in May, June, and July on the spiral dynamics model. Whether you're very new to that model and don't have any idea what that is, or whether you're well-versed in the model and looking to move into more of a coaching and, uh, and leadership presentation of Spiral Dynamics. We'll give you more information on that at the end of the show here today. So uh, he's also got a metaphysical psychology program for private students, and we're going to talk about that in our third segment specifically, so you can look forward to that conversation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dr. Jim, welcome to News 2020 and Beyond. How are things in Lyon, France? Thank you, Robert, and it's Lyon, so we have to get that right. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, here's, my, here's my white privilege showing you again. Anyway, my wife and I moved here uh, in the last about year and a half, and um, we've uh, been loving life in France. It's a beautiful community, and um, there have been people living where Lyon is for 45,000 years. Wow to give you some idea. So the historical perspective you get in Europe is really quite something. Yeah. But it's, it's been great and we're very happy here. Oh, good. Wonderful. And again, thank you for appearing today. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, we started this discussion in our last episode and I mentioned to you, I had a chance to sit with Dr. David Goldberg. So listeners have an idea of what the AGNT Social Uplift Ministry is. Uh, I want to look, and you wrote a blog uh, for AGNT. It's dated March 16th, Guns, Violence, and Spiritual Maturity. Um, and in that blog, you open with a quote that I found really impactful. And I think it's a big part of what this, this podcast is really about. It is beyond the time to move beyond the conversation about whether new thought organizations and spiritual communities should be active in spiritually motivated social engagement. I agree. It's beyond the time to ask whether we should be. We ought, we are. You finish with, it is time to put our energy into being the best version of ourselves and our teaching as we do engage. And I love that you continue to outline a number of things in, in this article. My big question is, how do, how, do a, how do we spiritually, how do we engage in a spiritually mature discussion around gun maturity, gun responsibility? Can you? Yeah, well, that's a really simple question, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, I've been I've been focused on this idea, this area of uh, what I think is happening in New Thought and has been happening for a while is the emergence of a new way of being in New Thought, and I think it's been happening uh, in in its current iteration in terms of greater social engagement for maybe a decade or more. Okay. Uh, very unevenly. But I think, you know, I, the way I like to put it is for new, in New Thought for many years, we, it's sort of like we've been sitting in a circle facing inward, mm. doing our spiritual practice, learning to, learning to pray and meditate, but for our own benefit, so that I can be healthy, so that I can have my good relationship, so that I can be abundant. Right. Nothing wrong with that. But I think now the, the, the culture is unfolding and evolving in a way that's causing us to want to turn around and face outward and bring that self-development uh, concept into the development of a compassionate kind of a social engagement. And because I think we, we bring 
to the social activism or social justice world, the political world, if you will, uh, a spiritual outlook that is designed for the next iteration of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to be successful right away. It doesn't mean everyone in our movement is going to be comfortable with it. But it means that I think we're beginning to plant seeds and we're beginning to engage in a way that other people that have been in this kind of political fray for a long time are starting to take notice and say, oh, who are these people that are coming in and they're listening and they're connecting and they seem to be uh, very difficult to set up, knock off balance mm-hmm. and they don't want to be aggressive but they are very assertive in the positions they take and in the values they hold. So I think this is really what we can bring because of the psychological spiritual preparation that is involved in being in a new thought spiritual community and doing your own practice and making yourself into a better version of yourself. And when the best version of ourselves engages, we're more effective. It's a simple, that's a simple part of the idea. The complex part of the idea is how do we create a culture in our organizations and our local communities of being kind of a nucleus for this kind of engagement to happen. Okay. So this piece on, on uh, guns, which is connected with gun guns and violence, which is connected with the SUM, uh, curriculum that's unfolding right now from AGNT was simply a, a look, kind of a, a look at that particular aspect, but using the principles that I've been applying to the larger area of social engagement uh, for a few years. Right. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I, I love the idea of becoming a nucleus, a, 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 I don't want to say a, uh, a nurturing, a, a, a place where people, and I'm sort of reminded, put on your own oxygen mask first. Yeah, it's like an incubator, you know. Can our spiritual communities be incubators for bringing individuals to a level of uh, spiritual and, and psychological realization where that we do engage, we're not immediately sucked into the drama. We're not sucked into the, the to the negativity we're able to go in and be very clearly um, spiritually centered people. Yeah. Wonderful. And that's incredibly impactful. That's incredibly powerful. uh, As I think we all know, but the problem is we haven't seen ourselves as, as playing that role in the larger culture up to this point. So our organizational job, which AGNT is really supporting in the, is the, the social uplift ministry curriculum that's being uh, made available mm-hmm. is to let's do our preparation. Let's, let's take ourselves to school on specifically applying the kinds of principles we learn in science of mind and unity and in all the various new thought iterations and develop really a good skill set at engaging locally, regionally, nationally, and globally in the problems that are confronting humanity. Yes. For um, Dr. Jim, I, I, I like to uh, pull back the curtain, I guess you could say, a few times. And in my ministerial training, and I imagine, and I know you've been exposed to some of this information as well along the way, um, we were very clearly taught that there was a front door to our communities and there's a back door to our communities. 
and people come in the front door for one reason and people leave the back door for another reason, leave through the back door for other reasons. And it, this isn't to explore all those reasons, but what I think you're, what I hear you touching on is we come in the front door because something's not working in our lives most often. And that is a perception that I think is starting to outgrow itself. The, so the old model, if you will, is people come in because they're broken, they need to be healed, they want to be healed, they get healed, and along the way, they find their way back out of the community. They, they go back out into their lives and they leave the spiritual behind. Others stick around for various reasons. And what I have heard through my experience is when it comes to getting anything done, very little ever really happens. <laughs> and these, um, and I've heard this again and again, that communities become social clubs, that communities, I actually saw a comment on Facebook just a couple days ago. Uh, someone asked the question why you wouldn't take a class at a spiritual community. Mm -hmm. Didn't say which class, didn't say which community. And someone responded, there is a preponderance that belief that the students are empty and the teacher must fill them with knowledge. That's such an old antiquated model. What I'm hearing with you and what I, uh, what I love, what I see as a vision in the future is, yes, you can come in the front door and get healed if that's what's necessary, but we anticipate you sticking around to help us make a difference, to collectively go out and do some good in the world. Yeah, and I, yes. And um, I think I would only add to what you said before by, I think a, a, what we are seeing more of, particularly with younger people, is they may have need to grow spiritually and psychologically in their lives, as we all do. Right. But they're often coming in looking for, some, for evidence that a spiritual community is taking its principles into the world. Because that's, it, it's, it's, I hate to say a generational thing. I think it's more of a cultural evolutionary thing that can be across generations. But uh, today's younger people, say 30 and below, are, they've been raised in a culture that really promotes social engagement. And I think many of them, you know, we don't get a lot of younger people into our communities, that, at least that stick around. And many of them that show up, if they don't see anything happening, that relates to helping to take these ideas to the world in a positive way, whether it's, you know, supporting digging wells in another country or whether it's working with a domestic violence shelter in the local community or working on climate change or something like that. And they're gone. Right. And because they don't have the value system that said you have to find an authority and obey it and stick to it no matter what which is what used to be the case culturally. Right. So the difficulty we've had, I think, and I, and I, I, I think that the challenge that we face in New Thought is developing a culture of spiritual leadership that knows how to make the transition 
for people that have developed their self to a point where they can responsibly engage. Because I think that's an issue in my book, uh, Creating the Beloved Community. I talk about that a lot. You know, you, you can come in and get all excited and go out onto the battle lines, the front lines of whatever the issue is. And if you're not mature, if you're not spiritually and emotionally intelligent, you're probably going to do more harm than good. Right. No matter the, no matter your intentions, no matter the quality of your, of your principles, um, you know, you go out and you just maybe turn violent or you start calling each other names and things like that. And we see that happen over and over and over. Right. So it's, there's two elements to this. The first element is, yeah, keep doing what we've been doing is to develop that inner self and develop spiritual maturity and help people become realize that they're not broken They've just failed to realize what's a deeper truth in themselves is that they're whole, perfect, and complete, and they need to develop that capacity, and then give them and give them a way to to get involved according to whatever the local community's priorities are. Right. You know, in some local communities, it may be a very local thing. In others, they may be you know sending people to Washington to to talk about issues or or something like that. So it's not about making every center the same, but it is about recognizing that not a hundred percent of everyone in a center, but, a, but there should be a, 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 there should be avenues and channels for people who are part of our spiritual communities to engage in some form or fashion in a right. positive way with, you know, the things that are confronting us. Cause it's, it's, it's pretty serious out there right now on a grand scale on every level. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, and you can almost, you know, you can almost become an, uh, a nihilist in terms of looking at the problems. But I think one of the thing, one of the benefits we have in new thought is recognizing that a, anything is possible and B the evolutionary developmental process that is, that has carried this universe from its inception has always arisen something out of nothing that wasn't expected. And we can, I think we need to be supporting the idea that that's emerging, that that's unfolding, hmm. but whatever emerges has to be supported. Yes. So, you know, so I, a, 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 a kind of a new friend of mine, Nora Bateson, who I think is just a brilliant, she's the daughter of Gregory Bateson, who's an anthropologist and worked with Margaret Mead and so forth. But she coined this term called apocaloptimist. Mm. And it's it's someone who recognizes that the apocalypse may be upon us. I mean, in terms of humanity and, and much of the life on the planet, there's pretty clear evidence that we're in some danger, not some, we're in significant danger if we don't do something. Right. But an optimist in the sense that, A, we will awaken to what we need to do, and B, we will have the resources, tools, and so forth that will be present for us to do it. But the window for that optimism is slowly closing. Mm. And um, we need people who are engaging, who have the kinds of personal and group skill sets that New Thought is uniquely qualified to provide. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yes. There, there's so you've said so much in there. Uh, I one of the things that strikes me is um, in business, if you don't have an impact model something today the millennials the younger generations they don't want to do business with you they um i've got one friend who 
she seriously looks and sort where is the cotton for her underwear being sourced before she yeah. purchases right things of that that the younger generation is very acute to that very attuned to that and there's room for us to be that both man that says come in and and get yourself centered however our impact can't be just transforming people's lives yeah it's there the the folks today they want something solid something more uh we're going to explore some of that in our second segment folks we've got a lot more time to talk with dr jim so uh let's take a quick break we'll hear briefly from our sponsors let dr jim grab a drink of water and refresh and we'll be right back with you in just a moment more of new thought 2020 and beyond coming right after this break New Thought 2020 and Beyond is supported by a generous grant from Spirit Evolving Ministries. Please learn more about this vibrant virtual ministry at spiritevolving.com. Well, all right, folks, we're back. New Thought 2020 and beyond, exploring the social and political issues of our day from a higher consciousness. And today, I'm very excited. Uh, we've got Reverend Dr. Jim Lockhart with us. Dr. Jim, we had uh, just finished a great discussion uh, and, and kind of really an, an invitation and exploration to, to look at it, this from an even bigger level. So you've been involved with the at the organizational level with spiritual communities for quite a bit longer than I I've been doing this I've been around mm -hmm. the block probably 12 13 years now a little bit longer than that you've been doing this a lot longer uh, and you've got this ex really extensive and I'll be honest I, I don't express jealousy often but um, <laughs> I've tried to get through the theory you book a handful of times and uh, <laughs> Uh, and I made it through the original Spiral Dynamics book, I can say that. But uh, so I personally feel like I've done a lot of study to have an idea of how all these things fit together. Right. And I know that not everybody out there has had that opportunity to go to that kind of depth of study. We're new thought communities today, as we've been discussing, are truly poised to be a guiding force in the social upliftment, though, as Marianne, you know, Marianne Williamson is saying that there's a, a moral and spiritual revival that's necessary in our, in America. Um, and I don't know about across the entire planet, but how do we take all of this? That seems so like so much to be able to stand in a, in a place of strength to, to do what we're talking about, to go out and mm -hmm. say, yes, I stand for this. I'm not railing against that. I stand for this. This is my point. How, how did we, how did new thought get to where it is and where do we go from here? <laughs> okay. Well, um, I, I would say I feel compelled before I say enter that to go back to what, you know, your quote about Marianne Williamson and so forth. I think we have to, one of the things we have to do individually is find out what is mine to do. Because we can become completely overwhelmed with there's so much to do and you can just say, well, why bother? So I think part of the individual path 
is developing that inner sense of direction and guide and really getting a sense from our intuitive wisdom, our, our inner self that we, that we connect with through spiritual practice to be, give us some clear direction. You know, that I may, I may find certain issues that I'm going to be very much engaged in other issues that I'm rooting for, but it's not mine to engage in and other area issues that are important, but I may not even pay attention to because I, I, ha- I only have so much bandwidth. So I think that's an important step is recognizing we're not going to be able to be all things to all people as individuals. Right. Which is why being in community is so much more important. And I think if you look at the tra- trajectory of new thought, which began in the late uh, 19th century with people like Mary Baker Eddy's influence and, and Emma Curtis Hopkins and, and the Fillmore's and, and so forth. Uh, it, was, it was really a very specific kind of an energy around physical healing through a spiritual connection. Right. And because there was such a huge need for that and there were, the people were seeking that because what we call standardized medicine wasn't very good. Um, the, the, the knowledge base, you know, was the, it was into the scientific revolution, but it hadn't quite reached the level that it did in the 20th century where it was able to, you know, eradicate diseases and things like that. It still has problems, but it got a lot better. Right. So over the trajectory of that time, and then Ernest Holmes came along with, with the science of mind in the 1920s, early 20s. He had access to a greatly increased amount of scientific information than the original founders of Unity did and some of the others, and he incorporated that into his early writing. So, you know, we, we had the advantage in New Thought of having scientific and psychological awareness included in our founders' understanding. Yes. And that is so important. Because if you look at the Abrahamic religions, you know, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, they have been, in many respects, not totally, but in many respects, hampered by sacred texts that were written before we had scientific knowledge. Right. And um, so there's been a lot of energy put into, the, you know, what, what the, what's said in the Bible versus what we find in science and what's right and what's wrong and, and so forth. And New Thought isn't burdened with that particular issue. Um, we are, however, burdened with the issue around are we a teaching strictly for individual development or are we a teaching that is meant to communally go into the world and try to be effective where the world is crying out for help? Right. And um, that, that evolution, I think, has happened from about the ni- early 1990s up to the present day. And the model we talked about a little bit earlier was spiral dynamics, which is a model of human development based on complexity of thought and value systems that I use and teach. And you can see if you overlay that model onto new thought that there have been certain value systems that have emerged and we're not immune to those universal value systems that show up. And and the way it's often described in new thought is that sometime in the late 20th century, we went from a teaching of the head to a teaching of the heart. And that really represents a movement from, you might call modernism in spiral dynamics to postmodernism, which is where we went from a very individualistic consciousness to more of a communal consciousness, desiring greater intimacy uh, with our fellow travelers on the planet, wanting to be connected in an interfaith way, less focus on the individual, a little more focus on the communal energy, 
but still very parochial in terms of kind of keeping it internal. Right. If you get my mean. But I think that was necessary for a while because, you know, you're, you're learning and you're growing it. We're growing as an organism, as a community, as an organism in that respect. And that's uneven. It's always going to be uneven. You're going to have some communities, individual centers that are way out in front. You know, we have centers that are doing amazing work in social engagement. And we have other centers that haven't even begun to do any work in that area. Right. So it's a, it's kind of like, you know, you've got this sort of uneven mass moving forward in consciousness and the evolution and emergence of different value systems and we're, of which we may not be aware. And how do we, how do we come to terms with that? And then you have folks that are still operating from the system that we, that the movement was in 50 years ago, mm. Which is it should just be about me. We shouldn't tell anyone anything about how to apply the teaching in their lives or whether to what what causes to support or anything like that. And you see that that energy is kind of fading, right? But it was very much present, very much present for a long time, and it dominated. That is the for for <clears throat> listeners that and you've heard me say that this before. That is the the belief system that our work is done in consciousness and consciousness alone, and that's it. And that by staying in meditation, by staying in a high consciousness and taking, uh, that the world will take care of itself, that action will just happen, and uh, and we don't have to do anything but know the truth. Uh, and uh, I appreciate your perspective there, Dr. Jim, that that's that's receding, that's not, a, and those are the centers that, do not seem to be attracting newer or younger or more people to them. Yeah, in part. And I, I have to say, there's nothing wrong with that kind of a belief system. It, it, it just right. is that the culture is moving beyond it. I mean, so we always have this kind of a situation where new things are emerging and some people kind of are into the new thing and some people stay in the old thing and you have this tension. Right. And that's where, that's the, that's the important thing for spiritual leadership to understand is how to help people manage that tension. Transcend and include. Right. To see the value in, in both points of view and to have a community where both can coexist. You don't have to have a hundred percent of a community going out into the world to do social action, but you should, we should, if we're going to be forward thinking and if we're going to fulfill, I think our mission, mm-hmm. which is a, our newly emerged mission, it's just to engage in the world and bring new thought into the world by our works, not just our thoughts. Right. Um, which is not a new idea, but it's a new idea in terms of how it's manifesting in, in, in thought. So, uh, you know, again, <laughs> I can't overemphasize the importance of getting people into, the, into their best self, the best version of themselves that we can, before they engage, right? Because you know that's just important, and I think we're uniquely, in in many respects, uniquely uh, qualified to do both. But we have to build our skill set at doing the second piece, which is to figuring out how to channel that energy in the in the in the best way. You know, how do we maybe we create a subcommittee or a committee in our, in an individual spiritual community that's a social engagement committee, and and people that are attracted to that go work with that committee and it's spoken about from the stage on Sunday. It's spoken about in classes. It's in the, it's in the communications that go around to the community, but it's not expected necessarily that everybody's going to do it. Right. 
I, I think met, some of the communities feel like it's got to be everybody or we're not going to do it. Uh, and, and one one dissenting voice who happens to be an influencer can pull everything back right. because the leader doesn't want to upset anybody. The leader wants everyone to be happy. And when you have this kind of a, a evolutionary shift going on, if you try to make everyone happy, the only thing you're going to guarantee is that no one's happy. Right. That's and that's a byproduct of as you, that evolution to a church of the heart, a philosophy of the heart. Yeah. The green and correct me if I got my colors wrong. Uh, that that green level uh, consciousness within spiral dynamics. Everybody must be included. Everybody's voice is valid. And right. and and so again, we've moved into this place that now ha- presents a whole new set of challenges for a spiritual leader. Yeah, the green level in the spiral, we, we might call it postmodernism is a pretty good uh, descriptor of it. But it's communal. The, 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 the value system is communal. Uh, every voice must be heard. Uh, we don't want anyone left out. It's very egalitarian, non-hierarchical. Um, so we have a lot of, probably it's the dominant uh, level or stage of the spiral currently expressing in new thought across the board, but not every center is kind of centered there. Right. But it's pretty, it's pretty common that the, the, sometimes the trouble, the difficulty that comes from that green stage is an inability or a reluctance to make decisions that might upset people. Yes. So there decision-making can take a long time. There can be a lot, needs to be a lot of processing, a lot of engagement, a lot of conversation, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be, it can be frustrating. And you know, particularly to people that aren't at that particular stage that are saying, just make a decision, you know, uh, why are, why are we waiting? And our millennial and younger crowds that are saying, I don't see anything happening here. They want to yeah. see that that's well, not just the other people because there isn't anything happening that's clear that's apparent. You know what's going on is a, a decision process that at that stage in the spiral tends to be expanded. Yeah, um, which can look like inertia. It can look. It really isn't, but it can look like that. Right. So, how do we develop our leadership to recognize these dynamics where they exist and to speak to the people wherever they happen to be currently centered in terms of a value system. Right. Um, and that it doesn't mean it's going to make everything easy if the leader can do that, but at least the leader has a chance to get everybody kind of going in the same general direction. And then you're kind of managing the, the disparity and the, and because there's always going to be a little bit of chaos in the mix. Right. You know, and, um, and it kind of strikes me that, uh, we, we've swung around here because it sounds like this is exactly the, the need. Uh, I, I've been struck throughout our conversation, right? The, the place where your great passion meets the world's great need. Uh, and that happens at the individual level. It happens at the organizational level. But it also appears to me that that's what's happening with AGNT and the SUM Social Uplift mm-hmm. Ministry is a place, an opportunity for leaders to provide opportunity, discussion, but it's not a mandate. And well, we, it doesn't have to be everybody. When you're in postmodern, there can't be any mandates. True. I mean, uh-huh. it, it just doesn't work. So everything 
pretty much becomes voluntary, which yes. again can be a very positive thing, but it can be a somewhat negative thing too. It depends on how it's received. So yeah, but the SUM, the AGNT program, which is sourced from various new thought resources and put together in a curriculum that, that really is designed to say, okay, you, you understand our principles. You understand that by our thoughts and feelings, we create our experience of reality. We are able to direct ourselves to a higher level of expression, more loving, more compassionate, uh, more wise. And then here's a set of skills that can help you take them into uh, various social engagement settings. Right. Issues of gun violence, issues of interfaith, uh, religious issues. You know, there's more to come. And, you know, over the, over, I think there's 20 different topics or something like that. So I've been guest blogging with AGNT for about six months, helping them to kind of express some of the value of this particular program, which again, individual spiritual communities and their leadership can say, yeah, let's bring that program in and take a look at it. It costs practically nothing. Um, and then once you get it in and take a look at it, you know, are you going to do anything with it? So that's just kind of the, that's kind of the nature of the beast. I mean, you know, are you going to uh, being in uh, a new thought spiritual community and a new thought spiritual organization, there's a whole lot of disparity in terms of how people are approaching their ministries. And that too is an expression of what we could have predicted, understanding the spiral unfolding and emergence of different stages so that actually should be embraced it's it's a good thing yes it's a little frustrating for for managers of the organization that don't get the spiral uh to see these dynamics because if you understood the spiral you'd understand that the dynamics are perfectly natural and in fact are to be encouraged right you know but that's a tough lesson for many of us um because we want to, we're used to a model where if I'm a director or I'm in charge of something, I, I should be able to say what goes, and that that something that is sort of falling away um, for a lot of people, but not for everybody, obviously, because one of the things we're dealing with on an international scale is uh, a rise in authoritarianism in our politics. True, you know, and, and there's a spiral explanation for that too. But uh, so, you know, <laughs> what we see in New Thought is are stages of the spiral that aren't universal. Mm. So we tend to attract people that have left behind standard, what I call standard brand religion to a large extent and are seeking a spirituality that is both individualistic in their terms of their own development. And they decide what they're going to believe but also they want to then learn principles that they can use in their lives and use to help make the world a better place. Yes. So, so to me, that is the direction that we should be thinking about and that we should be preparing our leaders to lead in. Yeah. Dr. Jim, I know um, we've had the pleasure to sit and share meals at conferences and talked on all kinds of things. And, uh, and I know we could continue for days and hours with a wonderful exploration joke, uh, you know, <clears throat> just looking at, yes, our current political state in the United States and around the world, 
in relation to the spiral and where uh, would fill a day. And I'd love to have that yeah. conversation. Unfortunately, we don't have time for that today. But what I would like to ask uh, before we get to our next break here is briefly, um, what's your vision for New Thought in the beyond in the next 10, 20, 30 years? Organizations come and go. I'm not here to, to profess this. There's, you know, but overall, if you could help us see a, a little bit of your vision for where this movement goes in the next whatever. <laughs> well, I think you have to, I have to do a, a caveat at the beginning is, okay. as I understand the, emer the theory of emergence, which is an evolutionary theory, there are always going to be things that no one could have predicted. Correct. That'll be part of any unfolding. Right. So given that, um, I think what, what's happening is we're, we're in a time where human, the human culture, technologically, uh, financially, geopolitically, is speeding up. And it's been speeding up for some time. And the skill sets that we've been teaching for leaders in various kinds of organizations are, current, are inadequate for the current level of change. And um, so we tend to get people that go into leadership that expect to learn, learn, have a learning curve and, you know, take a year of courses or whatever it is, and then go into a fairly stable situation. And I think that that's not what's happening now and it's not what's going to be happening in the future. So I think what we're going to need to be doing is to be dealing with people who are coming to our communities, our, our ministries, who are facing unprecedented rates of change in their personal lives, in their work lives, in their economic lives. And this is all exacerbated by the effects of things like climate change and refugee resettlement and all the other stuff that goes with it and the uncertainty of the financial system. And, and all, because all of this is crying out for whole system change. Right. So I think that most religious uh, communities, traditional faith traditions, are going to take a circle the wagons mentality and say, come in here, look at the way we've always done it, and feel safe. Hmm. But the problem is that's only true while you're in the building. Right. Back outside, you're back in it. I think my vision for New Thought would be that it become a uh, uh, an a set of organizations, a set of communities, a set of various ministries in various formats that takes rapid change for granted, that values transparency, that values unlearning and relearning, that recognizes that our spiritual principles may be eternal, but none of our forms are. Whether, you, whether it's an organizational form or whether it's a way of doing a spiritual practice or whether it's a way of credentialing people or teaching classes or whatever, that all of that is going to be in flux. And I, you know, I like to think of it when I do consulting with this individual community, I usually say, you need to treat everything like a pilot project, even if you've been doing it for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Because Anything that you're not able to be nimble about getting rid of when it no longer works can saddle the whole operation in terms of being able to move forward. Yes. So getting rid of, as Edward Vion says, you know, in order for us to progress, we're going to have to kill a few sacred cows. Mm. 
and the and and they're not sacred because they're sacred. They're sacred because they're traditional, or because somebody likes them, or because the founder talked about it. But if it's not a principle, right? We have to be willing to alter it or get rid of it if it no longer serves. And the need for that kind of uh, management, if you will, is increasing by the day. Hmm. Because nothing's slowing down. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, the people coming in looking for spiritual support are going to be in this fast moving world in one way or another, or in many ways. And if, if, if there isn't a way to help them, they're, they're going to move on. And, and, you know, if that happens, we become irrelevant to the extent that we may not be around or we're just kind of a curiosity right? Uh, somewhere, you know, uh, they still have vinyl records, but <laughs> not every, they're not part of the mass market anymore. You know, they're, they're kind of a curiosity. Um, yeah. so we have to decide, are we going to become, are we going to be like that? A curiosity that doesn't move forward with the times because we're too attached to a certain way of doing it. Or are we going to take the incredibly powerful spiritual and psychological tools that we offer? And I say, keep saying psychological because our new thought was formed at the same time as Western psychology really began to get its land legs and began to grow and learn through Freud and William James and Jung. And it's been an incredibly important part of new thought practice for a long time. So we are really at or near the leading edge of that kind of understanding. So it gives us a huge advantage in dealing with uh, what people are going to need to be able to do in order to not just survive in fast changing times, but to thrive. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm really struck that everything you've just said could be said around and we could be talking about business. And we could be talking about healthcare, and we could be talking about finances and we could be talking about politics because these changes and these rapid changes are happening in people's lives on all of those levels as well. So I, I think you're really so clear that we do have these gifts. We do have these, uh, the, the opportunity to support people through the, these changing times because it is, and if it's happening everywhere else and it's not happening in their spiritual community, you're right. We're a dinosaur. We've got nothing left to offer if we can't keep up with what everything that's happening else in their lives. Yeah. And, and even here's the other piece of that. Even if people get that, we still have to train people how to, how to exist within it. We still have to have leaders right. that can master living in this kind of a world so that they can turn around and teach others how to do it. And my, one of my concerns is that we're really slow in kind of adopting that kind of an attitude for our leadership training Mm -hmm. across the board. I I don't think there's a new thought organization you can look at that you can say is doing a good job with that. Right. And therein is a whole nother discussion, folks. So we're gonna yes. take we're gonna I would love to follow that trade too, but we've got to get back on track here. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break and hear from our sponsors when we come back. I want to talk briefly. We've got one more segment with Dr. Jim, and we I want to explore just a little bit more. Um, and we've started to 
uh, how you're out there in the world supporting people and moving forward in this. You've got workshops, you've got private uh, programs that you work with people. Uh, we're going to take a break, folks. When we get back, we'll explore all of that and with Dr. Jim. Sign up today for Daily Spirit Callings, Reverend Roberts' daily podcast or email blast, where you receive an inspiration, affirmation, and call to action to support your life in a daily living. Daily Spirit Callings. Sign up today at spiritevolving.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, we are back with Dr. Jim, uh, and, you know, uh, I'm sitting here in Colorado uh, looking forward to a snowstorm, and Jim just shared with me that he can smell his uh, dinner cooking in the background, so I I think we've got a little (laughs) bit of time left here to to wrap this up today. Uh, Dr. Jim, tell us a bit more about um, what you offer to support the individual in moving forward in their own leadership skills, in their own ability to uh, be a change agent, to affect change, to live in this ever-changing world. I know you've got a private student program. You've got some workshops showing up in the future here. Share with us a little bit. What's the good news in your life? What are you bringing forward to support this evolution in human consciousness? Okay, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I do. I do. This is my the first year I've done a, a program. I call it Metaphysical Psychology for Private Students, and I have a a handful of people that uh, we started last September. We're going to go into mid-June. And the curriculum uh, is really about uh, giving uh, what I consider to be the basis for a really good understanding of metaphysical and new thought principles that we often come in without the basis. So it includes uh, looking at some of the models that we've talked about a little bit, like spiral dynamics and the SQ-21 spiritual intelligence piece. And then we do quite a bit of time on Jungian psychology, um, working with shadow concepts and things like that. Uh, Joseph, we do a piece on Joseph Campbell, uh, the class, and then we're going to be conclude with Ernest Holmes. I think my favorite Ernest Holmes book, this thing called you. Mm. And we meet every Saturday for a couple of hours online, just like this. And then once a month, I spend about an hour with each student one-on-one online. And uh, the first week of May, we're all meeting in Beaujolais, France for a retreat in a beautiful chateau. And we'll do about five days together of connecting and uh, really doing some intensive one, you know, work as a group, as a team. And we'll wrap it up in uh, mid-June. So um, it's been a, you know, been a great experience for me. I'm getting really good feedback. People seem to be really engaged and I'll be doing this again, I think. I'm, I'm 99% sure I'll do it again next year and starting in September. And if people are interested, they can reach me. I know you'll have contact. Yes. Or just message me on Facebook. Or The best way on Facebook is Jim Lockard Author, because there's a lot of Jim Lockards, but there's only one Jim Lockard Author. You can leave a message on that page. And I'll make and sure then, that we have uh, I'll make sure we have that link, that specific link yeah. in the show notes for this episode, folks. If you I, look there I think I sent you my email, too. Yeah. And the other uh, the other thing that I'll be doing coming up is a little briefer. I, I am now certified. I'm now certified to certify people in spiral dynamics, which uh, is great. There's not only a few people around the planet that, that 
are able to do that. So my fo- I want my focus to be mainly in New Thought folks. So I'm doing a two-part, Spiral Dynamics 1 and Spiral Dynamics 2. Uh, what Part 1 will be in May, the last three weeks in May, twice a week, two hours on Zoom, and then it's recorded, so if you can't make it live. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an introduction to the model, the basics of the model. And then Spiral Dynamics 2, which will be in part of, last part of June, first part of July, is a more in-depth uh, look at the model and then coaching and leadership techniques. And that includes some one-on-one time with me about how to apply it. For those that want to teach it, or want to use it in coaching, you should have the certification to do that. Um, so that's, so that, you know, you can do just the intro piece or you can do both. And again, there's uh, that info is available. If you, I can send you the, all the details. Um, so those are the two kind of interactive things I'm engaged in right now. Um, I also occasionally do some on-site stuff with a spiritual community, work with leadership or something like that. If I, you know, if I get two or three of them, I'll make a trip over to the U.S. I'm trying to cut back on my flying time because uh, one of the good ways to, to help the current planet planetary situation is to fly a little bit less. But I'm still flying, but not as often. And uh, anyway, so that's available as well. Great. Fabulous. So great ways to interact with Dr. Jim. I'll make sure that all the links, all the different information, uh, as well as remember new thought, evolutionary.wordpress.com. Dr. Jim's blog is a wealth of information on all of these topics. Go back and look at the archives there. Uh, There are great articles going way, way back that help to uh, help any student to, to put together some of the, the pieces of, of this great masterpiece that we're creating. And uh, I've been following the blog for a long time now. It's, uh, it's just chock full of great information. So go sit, seek that out. Uh, Dr. Jim, before we let you go, I have one question that uh, is sort of that, oops, yeah, I forgot to tell you we were going to ask you this type thing. Uh, now, recognizing, and this is, I think this is a great and interesting question for you specifically, because as far as I know, you're still an American citizen. So as far as I know, you're still engaged in voting uh, in American politics. So as an American living abroad, uh, who, who are you looking at in the upcoming Democratic primary. There's a large, wide berth of people there. Um, there is some rumor that uh, our current president might face a, a, pri- a primary challenger, but I haven't heard of anything definitive there yet. So the only thing we've got to play with is the Democratic side. Um, if you had to today, or who are you watching? Who are you looking at? Who's exciting yeah. for you? Okay. Well, first of all, um, I'm registered as an independent, so I don't get to vote in the Democratic primary. Um, Although, I don't know, maybe in California, I do. I think they have an open primary now. So, but I think that's for state offices. Anyway, so far as I know, I won't be voting in that primary. But um, what I'm, I'm, I do follow the media somewhat and, you know, and and pay attention. Um, I think that the Democrats have a wealth of talent available. Um, there's more than a handful of people that I think would be uh, eminently uh, suited to be on the ticket, both in the top position and the second position. Mm-hmm. My, I guess my concern is kind of a one about sort of like human nature is, and I think 
ex-president Obama happened to mention this term the other day, uh, that progressives tend to form circular fire squad, firing squads and um, in sniping at each other, they pick each other off. Exactly. And, and what I think happens, if you know, take away Democrat and Republican, and, and I think it, the viewpoint that I find more valuable is progressive politics and regressive politics. Because I think in general, there's progressive politics that wants to carry people forward, new progress, things like, you know, the, the, the 40 hour work week and all the other things that progressive politics has brought, uh, health and safety regulations and, and lots of other things. Regressive politics often wants to take us back to an idea of a previous time that worked better, at least in somebody's mind, for but it tended to only work for a certain group of people. And that, to me, is that, that's a dynamic tension. So we're dealing with a lot of these tension points. And then there are people in the middle that kind of see the value in both, you know, and they're the ones that decide the election. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, and I also think progressives tend to find, need to find someone they can fall in love with, and regressives tend to need to find someone they want to obey. Mm. So I think the authoritarian movements we're seeing in the U.S. and we're seeing it certainly in Europe yeah. uh, is all, it, it's never progressives that are seeking to support the authoritarian movements. So uh, I think these are these are very basic differentiations in the way we think and view the world. And we have to find ways to uh, move forward with far less polarization than, than we have now. And I have to say, I don't have any answers for that. I, I, I look, at the, look at the horizon and I don't see us going in any direction but further apart because of the siloing of, of news the, and information and, and this, this thing where you're either 100% with me or you're 100% against me. That, that tends to exist to some extent on both sides of that aisle. Right. So I think, you know, again, while I'm enheartened by the quality of many of the candidates that are, that are being put forward, um, I'm not sure that the process of selecting the final candidate is going to be, leave us with a, a clear field of support on the progressive side, given the nature of progressive voters in the past. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's a fabulous perspective. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, I trust that we'll be able to entice you to come back on the show again over the next couple of years because sure, we're going to uh, we're going to stick around and we're going to keep looking at this. And uh, and I, in many ways, uh, I love what you've just uh, you've helped me to redefine the conversation uh, as well for myself and uh, and to be able to take a. another look at, okay, uh, I've been joking. I've been given a dollar to everybody because I figure everybody's voice, if we can get everybody's voice in the debates, then then there's a a more of a universal platform that may emerge. So let's give everybody that says they want to be there a chance. Uh, But I'm not giving a lot of money till we can (laughs) have an idea who's who's not going to pick off their brother, right? Right. Well, you don't know, you know, and again, it's not so much the candidates as it is the supporters that do that. Right. So that's, that's, that's one of the things that's somewhat unfortunate. And I think we saw that in the last election to enough of the degree that it made a difference. Yeah. 
Well, there we go, folks. Uh, we've about run out of time. I am sure your lovely wife, Dorianne, wants you to get to dinner. So please send along our best regards from here, from this side of, of the world. Folks, Folks, this has been New Thought 2020 and beyond. Our guest today has been Reverend Dr. Jim Bockard. All his information will be in the show notes. Again, I'm grateful you've been with us. Please share this with a friend. Come on back another time and engage with Dr. Jim. Sign up for that workshop. Uh, and if you're uh, really there, look at that private student program. I know it's incredibly valuable. So, Dr. Jim, thank you one more time. I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Peace and blessings. Excellent. Thank you very much. Take care. Love and light. On behalf of everyone that contributed to today's episode, I'd like to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating in the discussion and thank you for being part of the consciousness that shapes the future of our political and social discussions. Learn more at newthought2020.org. That's newthought2020.org. And please invite your friends to listen to the podcast, newthought2020.org. Until next time, peace and blessings, go forth and prosper.